Hey everyone, Bill Barhite here. Welcome to the Abra Money 3.0 show where I talk about the future of money and technology. This episode is an edited audio version of a recently recorded Money Talks Live AMA. There's also a video version of this podcast available on youtube.com slash Abra Global. Again, that's youtube.com slash Abra Global. The information presented in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any of the financial assets discussed. Neither Abra nor any of the participants in this podcast make any representation as to the suitability or appropriateness of these financial assets for individual investors. Investors must make their own determination either alone or in consultation with their own financial advisors as to the suitability or appropriateness of such investments. Abra interest accounts are issued by Prime Trust and Nevada Chartered Trust Company. Rates for Abra interest accounts are subject to change. Digital currencies are not legal tender, are not backed by any government, and Abra interest accounts are not subject to FDIC or SIPC insurance protections. Okay, good morning, everyone. I am your host, Bill Barheit. Welcome to Money Talks. We've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get right to it. So I want to talk to you today about um, some new cryptos that we launched on Abra. We actually launched 18 new cryptocurrencies, so I'm super excited about that. I'm going to get into what's happening with this whole DeFi craze versus CeFi and how we look at that at, at, at Abra. Uh, I'm going to do a deep dive on, on Link, one of the new cryptocurrencies, and I'm going to answer all your questions. So I want to talk about DeFi first, right? So, so there's this whole kind of great yield hunt going on, uh, which, which I kind of refer to right now as DeFi versus CeFi. Now, to be clear, CeFi is, is more what, like what Abra does, right? Centralized finance. We actually help manage your crypto. We help you generate interest on your crypto. We help you execute trades on your crypto. And you, and you basically trust that, that Abra knows what it's doing, that the parties that we're lending to to generate interest on your crypto uh, are legit, uh, and we do very deep due diligence on those parties, for example, that's in direct contrast to DeFi, where effectively you're not really trusting anyone uh, except the network itself. And, you know, that is uh, very promising uh, and very encouraging and, and, and uh, kind of like a noble goal. Um, and ultimately, DeFi may win, but I, but I believe that um, in the next three years, maybe even five years at least, CeFi services like Abra will continue to rule. There are simply too many things that can go, go that can and will go wrong with DeFi at any kind of scale. You know, uh, Ryan Selkis, who's the um, the founder of uh, Masari, a fantastic crypto research and information service, did a, a really good tweet storm on this. He said the DeFi bubble will pop sooner than people expect, and I actually completely agree with him. He, he said we're nearing an apex of Ponzi schemes rug pulls and yield hopping. Yield hopping basically mean, meaning people are moving their ETH or, or, or staked tokens from service to service. And ETH fees are going to eat very heavily into uh, the profits for the very small investor. Right. We, 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 as an aside, we even saw at Abra a couple of weeks ago where transaction fees were over $10, uh, the gas fees for, uh, for certain Ethereum transactions, which is what DeFi uses. We'll come back to Ethereum in a moment. ICOs boomed for a while because everyone thought there would be a coordinating utility token for every single industry, right? And, and, and Ryan ultimately goes on to say DeFi is just one big pool of capital sloshing around a small group of insiders and mercenaries who will soon run out of victims to fleece. Now, I'm open to changing my mind, but a good rule of thumb is if it looks too good to be true, it is. 
That's 50% yields and greater full investing in a nutshell. So anyway, look, like Ryan said, I also love the experimentation going on in DeFi. I ultimately believe that competition uh, is what will raise the bar uh, for all types of financial services. So, you know, effectively any type of financial service that that forces the incumbents to rethink how they do business is ultimately good for you and for me. The question is, how are we going to get there? Right now, we're experimenting with other people's money, and that's very dangerous. So this also doesn't take into account that DeFi is currently built on Ethereum, right? And, and Ethereum simply can't handle any kind of DeFi scale at all right now. Now, when we had peak DeFi a couple of weeks ago, many exchanges had to limit ETH deposits and withdrawals because the gas fees reached $10 to $20 per transaction. Now, you can't reliably transact $15 worth of ETH on chain when the transaction gas costs $20. Now, we're probably 18 months away from Ethereum 2.0 even remotely having a chance to solve this problem. So from my perspective, the smart money crypto will be in C5 for the next few years. So our team of experts at Abra spend long hours hunting for high quality yield, uh, high quality yield opportunities. No DeFi system will be able to reliably do that and not end up generating a high percentage of losing scams, at least in the short term. Now, eventually that may change, but not now. So I believe for now the smart money is going to stay with services like Abra. Okay, so now speaking of Abra, right? This week, I'm super excited that uh, we've launched uh, 18 new uh, cryptocurrencies on the platform, right? The top new uh, cryptos uh, include uh, Chainlink. Uh, the crypto is, is uh, excuse me, the crypto is known as Link. We've got Compound or Comp, Algorand, known as Algo, Te Tezos, VeChain, Steam, Salo, uh, Hashgraph, Wax, BitShares. We've got Bancor. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of others. Uh, you can see them online. If you don't have the latest version of the Abra app, uh, download the app. And, and if you go to the portfolio view, you'll be able to add those new cryptos right away. No problem. Okay. Um, so we've got lots of questions already coming in. Uh, by the way, we've got people uh, in, in dozens of countries here. We've got people in, of course, the U.S., Philippines, uh, Central America. I see Mexico, uh, U.K., uh, we'll get to questions in a moment. Uh, keep them coming. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tee them up. Um, the other thing I should mention, and people ask me about this all the time, as we add new cryptos to the app, can I actually trade between any of the two cryptos that you're adding or that you've already added? And the answer is yes. We never add a cryptocurrency that you can also exchange among any other cryptocurrency. So if I buy. Bitcoin and I want to move a portion of that to wax or if I have wax and I want to move a portion of it to comp or comp back to dollars or true USD can I do that and the answer is yes so with all of these new cryptos we added we now support the ability to trade across 7,000 different crypto pair combinations and that is a huge number one of the largest in the business uh, for sure the other exciting announcement I have for all of you today is that we've just raised interest rates on um, Bitcoin and Ethereum so we're now raising the rates to 4.25% and we're keeping the US dollar rate steady at 10%, which includes all of our dollar stable coins. You can wire dollars in, 
move it to Bitcoin or Ethereum, earn interest there, or you can keep your money as dollars in our stable coins and earn, earn a steady 10%, which is compounded uh, daily, okay? So I also get this question a lot about how do I, now that you have dollars and interest with stable coins, um, which I can obviously compound, it's a fantastic return, how do I do my allocation across different crypto assets? So I'll tell you what I recommend. Now, I don't give investment advice, I just give my opinion, right? And so I'll tell you what I'm doing, and, and you can consider for yourself and do your own homework at what to do. But I recommend a portfolio allocation for me of no more than 5 to 10% of my personal assets in Bitcoin and no more than 5% of personal assets in other cryptos. And that number goes up and down depending upon what's going on. That's a little bit more actively traded, whereas the Bitcoin piece, it just sits there, earns interest, and I don't worry about it. So I also recommend a, a portfolio allocation of no more than 15 to 20% of personal assets into US dollars in the ABRA interest account. Now that's today. Now my opinion on that may change. Those interest rates will go up and down over time versus the kind of traditional investing markets. Again, that's my opinion. I don't give investing advice. I just give my opinion. So please do your own homework and, and invest wisely. If you go online, uh, there's actually an interest calculator on ABRA.com, which will show you uh, what kind of interest you'll earn based upon different uh, deposited amounts and uh, you can see what you'll earn over time. So one of the cryptocurrencies that we added uh, this week is called Link, uh, and it's from a an organization or nonprofit called LinkChain. I wanna do a deep dive this week on Link, and in, in following weeks, I'll, I'll, I'll do a deep dive on other of the cryptos that we've added and uh, give you my perspective on what those projects mean. So to understand Link, right, First, we need to understand uh, the idea of an oracle in a smart contract. So let's say we have a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain, and it represents a call option. A call option basically gives you the right to buy a stock at a certain price, even if the price of the stock has gone up. So you're basically making a potentially leveraged bet that the price of the stock or the underlying asset will go up. So let's say we have a call option on Ethereum expiring on September 30th, at a strike price of $600 per ETH. So this means that if the price of Ethereum is above 600 at expiration on September 30th, then the holder of the call option can buy Ethereum for $600 per ETH and actually pocket the difference by selling the underlying, the underlying asset. So how does this smart contract representing this call option actually know what the price of ETH is in order to determine what to do, right? So, this is a big problem since cryptocurrencies have no inherent knowledge of the real world. So I kind of liken this to being inside the matrix, if you remember the movie from the 90s, versus being outside the matrix. In the movie, um, if you're outside the matrix, you could get inside uh, by hacking into the matrix via a hard line. Now, in crypto, smart contracts, uh, these hard lines are actually represented by what we call oracles. Oracles tell computer programs or smart contracts information about the real world that they otherwise would not know, but they need to know, okay? So oracles are a big problem in crypto, smart contracts, because they often represent a weak link in a decentralized system. So think about it. If my oracle has an off switch, so does my smart contract. In other words, if I'm getting the price of the dollar versus Ethereum in my call option from an exchange, and that exchange can be shut off, what happens if I lose that price feed in my smart contract? I don't know what the contract is worth. So as I've said many times in the past, I'm not yet convinced 
that this Oracle problem is completely solvable. We'll see. But the good news is that many companies are trying to solve this problem. One such company is called Chainlink. Chainlink, in their own words, provides reliable tamper-proof inputs and outputs for smart contracts on any blockchain. The inputs would be things like the pricing details in, in my example above, right? Um, outputs are usually payments. Uh, where do I send the money that I made when the contract expires? So Chainlink is a decentralized network of nodes that provide data and information and effectively act like a big decentralized Oracle system. So naturally and somewhat ironically, the first solution they've chosen to tackle with this decentralized Oracle network is DeFi. This makes sense. And I actually hope it works in practice. So that brings me back to Link itself. So Link is the digital asset or token that is used to pay for services on the Chainlink network. So will Link be worth anything? Well, almost all DeFi applications require some sort of data price feed. As I said, they have no way of integrating with the real world outside of using these Oracle-based systems. So a robust, preferably decentralized, if possible, Oracle is essential to the prosperity and security of most of these DeFi apps. So since Chainlink is now the best known player in this space, ironically, partially because of their token, I believe it could end up being a big winner in the DeFi space. Time will tell, invest wisely, okay? So um, that's, that's it for the initial talking points. I've got some other things I wanna talk about in regards to DeFi and, and regulation. We'll come back to that. I wanna take a break there and, and answer some, some questions. The first thing I would remind you, hey, if you do, do me a favor. Uh, if you're watching via uh, uh, YouTube, there's a subscribe button in the video at the bottom. Press that button. We started this from zero a few weeks ago and we're up to thousands of subscribers. We get a few thousand people watching the video after the broadcast. And our goal is to get this up to 100,000 viewers as quickly as possible. And we need your support to do that, okay? So click that subscribe button um, and, and show us that uh, you want us to keep doing these videos. All right, so let me answer some Abra-specific questions. If you have questions about any of the new cryptos, I'll try to answer those. There's so many, I can't answer every detailed question about the tech, but I'll do the best I can. All right. So um, let's see, we've got a, um, a couple of users here, uh, a user from India, uh, good morning, um, asks, can I actually uh, wire money from India uh, into Abra? So Indian banks are not yet supported, uh, but as I mentioned uh, last week, stay tuned. Uh, we are working on a solution that will allow you to wire money into Abra from anywhere in the world. If you are in a non-US country and you want to deposit money into Abra, either crypto uh, stable coins or other cryptocurrencies, you can simply uh, buy them in your local uh, market and then transfer them into, into Abra. So for example, in India, you can use a service like Paxful to uh, deposit uh, crypto into Abra, okay? So uh, let's see, we've got some other questions here. Just looking down at my laptop. Uh, what guarantees do I have that my investment is 100% safe in your wallet? That's from Roberto. Roberto, good question. So, so a couple of things, right? So we do uh, very high grade uh, custody via uh, partners. I've mentioned this in the past as well. If you, uh, by the way, you can go to our FAQs either in the app or online and we have more detail on this. 
But let me talk about custody for a second. So on the trading side, uh, we work with uh, an exchange partner who manages custody there. Uh, they've never been hacked. And of course, on the interest account side, we work with a uh, trust bank known as Prime Trust. Uh, and their custody technology has also, to my knowledge, never even been close to hacked. Um, we also use cold storage for a piece of the of the crypto uh, and are looking to to do more of that in the future. And then when we um, when we lend in order to generate yield, we're also often uh, getting um, collateral back on those loans, which goes into the same custodied solution. So so we feel very confident in our custody model. Uh, and also in our uh, lending model in order to generate yield. Uh, we run an investment committee that does very deep due diligence on all partners. Um, many of these partners are, are much larger companies than, than ABRA, but we still do due diligence on them. And we actually don't accept all partners that want to do business with us uh, unless they pass that due diligence process. What, with what guarantees do I have that I will be able to withdraw 100% of my investment and profits without restriction and without limits? That's another good question from Roberto. Roberto, we run um, through regulated financial entities, right? So Prime Trust is a bank trust. Uh, our exchange partner is a licensed money transmitter where they need to be. And we operate under their licenses in many instances, and they have to basically follow certain laws and rules. Uh, and one of them is uh, via our terms of service. We can't, we can't simply represent that we're going to make uh, withdrawals available and then not do it, right? So the regulators would come after them and by extension uh, after us. And so that also, that's one protection that CFI gives you uh, versus uh, the DeFi model, which today is, is obviously subject to a lot of scams and hacking, all right? I believe the two will, as I said, merge over time. But this model that Abra is talking about, I think, has a lot of advantages in the short term. Okay, um, thank you for the questions, Roberto. Let's move on to a couple more. Let's see. Uh, CryptoCat says, why don't we have VeChain or Loopring for USA on Abra? When is it coming? Excellent question. So as I mentioned, on the trading side uh, of uh, the trading accounts, we work with uh, third-party exchanges slash custody partners. We can only add cryptocurrencies to the Abra app that they support for custody. And the reason that we were able to add those 18 currencies is, one, they were on the list of dozens that we're tracking. Uh, and more importantly, they're also supported by our exchange partners. Now, in this particular case, uh, VeChain, for example, is not yet available with them in the U.S., as soon as they make VeChain available in the U.S., we will bring it to you uh, for, uh, you know, in, for Abra in the U.S. as well. So stay tuned for that. We don't have any insights as to when they would do that. I suspect it'll happen in reasonable order. But um, one user asks, can Abra weather the next bear market? Can you talk about it? So Abra itself is not really... Uh, subject to, you know, from the, the trials and tribulations of up and down markets. From a revenue perspective, we are a little because some of our revenue comes in, um, you know, if, if the price of Bitcoin is very high and people are doing lots of transactions, um, you know, Abra may make a little bit more money. But, but, but honestly, um, we've tried to structure our business in a way and, and we also keep, try to keep our expenses as a company very, very low uh, in, order, in order to not have to basically charge high fees. Uh, you know, I, I think we're in a pretty good position. So if you think about it, right? So, so we launched this service like almost at the peak of, of crypto in 2017, early 2018. And, and immediately crypto tanked, right? I think it, it, it got down to the 3000s. 
and Abra survived, we're still here. Okay. Uh, and it was it was not fun when when Bitcoin traded down for, to thirty five hundred as as not just as a CEO of Abra but also as somebody who holds a lot of Bitcoin. But I also know deep down that one it may happen again, and and two this is a long term game. And I believe that you know Bitcoin is is headed for a hundred thousand. Again, it's my personal advice. It's not investment advice, but I, I believe that's where it's going. So so long long winded answer. I would say two things. One, we run the company very well. We keep expenses low. Uh, in order to uh, not only provide the lowest possible fees to you, but to guarantee that Abra has a good, viable future. And and two, uh, we try to make sure that our business itself isn't really subject to the whims of the the prices of the the cryptocurrencies. And I think we've done a reasonable job at that. So very fair question. Thanks for that. Um, Mark asks, uh, will the Abra wallet support staking Tezos and Algorand? Excellent question. So uh, I can't uh, give you a timeline for that, but I can tell you that it's something that we are looking at and it's something that I definitely want to do. Uh, When we do it, it would be available via the interest account. So on here, you would simply see Algorand and Tezos' options when we do it. Uh, And we'll we'll certainly give you a heads up as to uh, when when that's coming, uh, but uh, stay tuned for that. when will I be able to uh, make Cardano transactions again? This is from uh, Rodmar in Guatemala, who says he's a very happy uh, Abra wallet user. Thanks for that. So we are waiting for our exchange partner to finish their Shelly upgrade for the Cardano system. As soon as they uh, finish that upgrade, we will uh, bring it to you and uh, you'll be able to process transactions um, uh, in Cardano again. So um, as a Cardano holder and, and, and uh, user, I am looking forward to that myself. Uh, let's see. Lots of questions coming in here. Jerry asks, where does Abra store customers' Bitcoin? So, so Jerry, as I mentioned before, there are two types of accounts here, right? I'm in the interest account and then there's the trading account. The answer is different in, in both cases. In the case of the trading account, um, the funds are stored in custody with our trading exchange partners. And in the case of the interest account, the funds are custodied with uh, Prime Trust, our uh, legal bank custodian partner. And you can actually move funds yourself between the two accounts. I can withdraw funds from my interest account back to trading and, and vice versa. And that changes where the funds are custodied. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Tom says, I am, I am an American living in the Philippines. Interesting. I love your wallet. Thank you. Why can I not withdraw to my U.S. bank simply because I have a Philippine uh, mobile? So, so um, Tom, that's something that we are uh, going to be offering if, if, if it's not already turned on. Uh, send an email to support and let them know that you want that. And when it's available, uh, they will uh, let you know. Okay, so that is something uh, that we do get requests for should be doable, uh, and uh, the team will turn on that feature for you. Generally, um, if you're in a country uh, outside the U.S., and we, we, we don't turn on the U.S.-specific features 
for you because it's confusing to a lot of users and vice versa. For example, we have Philippine specific features that we don't turn on in the US, for example, to deposit cash in, in Manila, for example, which would be uh, confusing to US users. And so, so we don't show those features here either. So, so um, but you can always send an email to support. And if, the, if it's possible to turn a feature on, depending upon where you live, uh, the team will do that for you, okay? Uh, let's see, lots more questions here. Um, you guys always have, have the best questions. So uh, let's see, can you explain how market volatility ha helps Abra earn more when lending to institutions? Um, this is from an anonymous user. So volatility itself doesn't help Abra earn more. It's more a function of supply and demand. So let me give you an example, right? So right now, there is huge demand from large institutional borrowers for U.S. dollars. Now, the good news is, is most of that will be collateralized either via large cash position on a balance sheet or by them depositing cryptocurrency with Abra. And that's independent. That's not necessarily dependent upon volatility in crypto. But the more demand, the higher the rates they pay, which we then pass on to you. As I've said in the past, the vast majority of the interest income generated on deposits goes back to the consumer well over 80% of it, okay? So, so again, it's really a function of demand. So the reason that we get, for example, four and a quarter percent or can pay four and a quarter percent for Bitcoin and Ethereum is based upon a certain demand level uh, for uh, those cryptocurrencies, okay? So hope that explains that. Uh, let's see. So I've been having issues with my crypto deposit. It's reaching my account a few hours after it's been confirmed by the blockchain. So uh, this is from J.D. Mark. So, so J.D., I, I think that a lot of that has to do right now with Ethereum. Um, the, the, uh, especially uh, like last week and the week before, the Ethereum network was being bogged down by all of these new DeFi exchanges. Remember, every one of those transactions is on chain on those DeFi exchanges. Whereas when you're using a, an exchange like Abra or you know, Coinbase or something like that, those exchanges are off chain, so they don't have a settlement time. But if you're moving money or doing a trade on a, on a DeFi exchange, it's completely on chain. And, and that volume exploded to the point where consumers were waiting, the fees went through the roof. Uh, and as a result, the way our partner um, uh, deposits funds into your wallet uh, in the Abra system uh, was taking a very long time and in some cases, you know, hours. And so... Um, you know, I think for now that because the, the, the craziness has died down, you shouldn't see those delays. Generally, those delays are, have nothing to do with Abra uh, and have more to do with what's happening in the network. OK, hope that makes sense. Let's see uh, a lot more questions. So I, I, here's a question. I think I, I'm going to say the name right. I apologize if I if I uh, bungle it here. Tesfe asks, how come you don't have a shorting feature for active traders and investors that need to hedge or make money from the volatile crypto market? Uh, have you considered it or why not, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's a great question. Um, the reason, there's a few reasons. Uh, the biggest reason is, is that our exchange partners don't easily make that feature available to us yet. Um, so there's a whole bunch of more advanced order types that we're constantly looking at, our number one priority for Abra is simplicity by far, right? When we ask all of you, uh, and we do ask all of you a lot, what you like the best about Abra, the two answers I get, simplicity 
and breadth of features. Now, those two are often at odds at each other, right? The more features we add, the more complex things often get. That having been said, we look at advanced order types all the time. Uh, there are some things that we are going to add in the future. Shorting is a complex one. For those of you who aren't clear uh, what Tesfaye is asking, shorting basically is a bet against the price going up. Meaning, uh, let's say I want to short Ethereum. I'm actually making a bet that the price of Ethereum will go down. And if the price goes down, I actually make money. And if the price goes up, I lose money. So it's the opposite of uh, going long. Again, um, there are also some legal reasons for that. Uh, shorting has a different um, kind of legal structure necessarily than just going long. Uh, but it is something like vis-a-vis -vis these more complex order types that we've been looking at. We don't have any, anything to announce or any specific time frame. But the more requests we get and understand uh, the demand for these more complicated uh, and, and more sophisticated features, the more we can take them into account. Uh, there's a lot of things that I would use if we had it. But again, we always err on the side of simplicity for our users. Okay, um, here's an interesting question. Jefferson asks, I would love to hear your thoughts on how important Lightning development is to the industry. Uh, when is Lightning coming for Abra? And I got a related question on, on Twitter that I'll come to after that around uh, Litecoin. So look, um, this is a tough one. So Lightning is a what we call a second layer technology. Let me explain what that means. Bitcoin itself is uh, the settlement protocol using uh, the blockchain uh, proof of work uh, is what we call a, and the mempool is what we call a first layer technology, right? Everything, all those transactions happen on chain. If, if you're using uh, an exchange, you're completely offline. You're not actually touching the blockchain itself until you withdraw the, the, the crypto from the exchange into either another wallet or a hardware wallet, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with doing those transactions on chain is that the block size is limited to a certain number of transactions and it can't go beyond that without actually a, a physical change to how Bitcoin works. To solve that problem, companies are trying to develop these so-called second layer technologies. Second layer technologies uh, like Lightning, in theory, look a little bit like Visa versus like uh, central banks, right? Visa can scale infinitely versus everybody interacting with the central bank. And so, so Lightning, in theory, is a fantastic idea. The challenge is it's extremely complicated. Um, it uses a whole bunch of uh, smart contract or, or multi-signature technology trickery. Uh, it requires a whole bunch of, of parties to get involved in the transaction. Those parties have to park uh, Bitcoin inside, um, inside smart contracts, effectively locking those funds up. The promise is there. I think that Bitcoin won't scale without these second layer technologies, which is obviously essential to Bitcoin's future. Uh, but it's very early. I hope it works. I believe it can work, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, but there's some people way smarter than me working on this, and I'm highly encouraged by the work they're doing, but it's very early. And look, it's very early across all of crypto land, and we're all here because we believe in the promise uh, of where it's going. But, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's early and we're, we're not quite there yet. So I had another question earlier about... Um, uh, fungibility of, um, of uh, Litecoin. Litecoin is a, a, an early fork of Bitcoin that is also supported uh, on the Abra network. And um, it, it, Bitcoin and, and Litecoin all kind of suffer from the same issue of, of, of what we call fungibility. What is fungibility? Fungibility is basically the idea 
that any Bitcoin that I hold is more or less interoperable with any Bitcoin that you hold. Now, on the surface, that may seem obvious, meaning one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, but it's not necessarily true. But because all Bitcoin or Litecoin transactions are published on a public blockchain, in theory, I know historically what address those transactions are coming from and what transaction what, what address transactions are going to. So if, if for whatever reason I decide I don't like some address, I can actually block that address from doing transactions if I'm on an exchange, for example. So that limits the fungibility of Bitcoin or in this case, Litecoin. So people have looked at new technologies like Monero, for example, uses technologies that make Monero more fungible by hiding certain information so that you can't discern where the money is going from or going to. Zcash does this as well. And people are, are having a debate as to whether Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies should also add more of these fungibility features. Uh, I actually believe that they should. I don't think that the average public should be making decisions about the value of a Bitcoin based upon where that Bitcoin has been held in the past. Right. We don't think about dollar bills that way. Um, and the reality is, is, is it's, it's incredible when you actually look at the chemicals on a dollar bill where it's been. Leave that aside for another day. But I believe that dollar, uh, Bitcoin, just like dollars, should be completely fungible. Now, the thing I love about Litecoin is, is that it adopts new technology much faster than Bitcoin. And it acts as a great testbed for what Bitcoin should be doing in the future. Some people liken Litecoin to silver to Bitcoin's gold. That's fine as an analogy. But to me... Uh, it's more of what's more interesting is the competition from a technology perspective. And I always make this point that it's the competition that's going to bring the entire crypto space forward. So the fact that Litecoin is willing to adopt these technologies faster, I think, is, is not only great for Litecoin, but great for the entire crypto uh, crypto space. And so I hope that uh, I hope that that happens and I hope it happens in a way that also adds a lot more scalability um, uh, to uh, Litecoin. So another user asks, on the other hand, what are non-fungible tokens and will Abra support them? Okay, so non-fungible tokens, NFTs, uh, are often known as crypto collectibles, depending upon how they're used. Uh, probably the most famous example of that is the crypto kitties uh, that you may have uh, seen a few years ago um, during the, the last kind of Ethereum craze. So um, NFT, non-fungible token, basically means that any two versions of, of a token created using the same system are different. So my CryptoKitty that I'm collecting would be different from yours. My baseball trading card would be different from yours. It, and, and often they're referred to as crypto collectibles because you can limit um, the number of any one type of token, hence the phrase non-fungible, right? They're not the same. So um, non-fungible tokens are complicated from a technology perspective. Um, the idea is fascinating, right? Uh, it also exposes a lot of the scalability issues inherent with Ethereum that we've talked about. Uh, if, if you know anything about what happened with CryptoKitties way back when, uh, you know, you, you'll recognize or remember that they also exposed a lot of those scalability issues. So uh, Abra does not support uh, NFTs today. Uh, we don't see huge demand yet. Uh, I expect that the demand for NFTs will explode in the future. I think there will be a market for digital collectibles in gaming in particular. 
That's something, for example, that I believe Wax is working on, one of the cryptos we just simply added, uh, recently added. And, I, and there are lots more companies doing this. I, I think there have been announcements from several of the sports leagues in the U.S., uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA, all getting into uh, various uh, forms of, um, of uh, uh, NFTs. So as uh, NFTs become more popular and we see the demand, we'll definitely look at adding them. Uh, it's very early in that space, and it's not something that uh, we're seeing huge demand from for, for the type of investors that, that Abra is focused on. Uh, I got a request here. Hey, what's going on with Stellar? Uh, and then another user asks, uh, what, what's going on with Abra and Stellar? Uh, are you going to uh, do an interview with, uh, with, with Jed? Uh, those of you who don't know, uh, Jed is the, uh, the founder of both uh, Stellar and, and Ripple. Um, it would be great to have uh, Jed on, on the show. Uh, I agree. Uh, we actually did an interview with uh, Danielle Dixon, who is the CEO of the Stellar Foundation. If you go to uh, our podcast, the uh, Abra Money 3.0 podcast, uh, which I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it's certainly on, on, on the Apple and, and, and Google Play Store and their podcast apps. You can find my interview with Danelle. Uh, I think that's a great idea in terms of getting Jed on, and uh, I'll look to do that in the future. Um, Jed's super busy, doesn't do many interviews, but hopefully he would do us a favor and, and come on the show. I also wanted to talk to you about some of the things that, that I think are important to understand in terms of where this is all going in terms of DeFi uh, versus CeFi. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the points that people are constantly asking me about and bringing up online, which is regulation. One of the most common questions that I get from people who are either new to Bitcoin, new to crypto, uh, looking at DeFi versus CeFi is, well, what are regulators going to do? Why haven't regulators simply shut down Bitcoin. So I actually believe that it is impossible at this point for uh, regulators to shut down Bitcoin. Now, let me let me explain what I mean by that. OK, so one of the best articles that I've ever seen on this is from uh, this guy, Aiken uh, Hernandez. He goes by Beauty on on Twitter. Um, he's a bit of an anarchist. Uh, I, I find uh, his, his, his Twitter feed very entertaining. I don't always agree, but but this is one of the best articles that anybody who's interested in cryptocurrency can read, right? And I'll, 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 um, I'll ask my team to post the link here. But it's basically if you, if you search for why America can't regulate Bitcoin, you'll find this one first. So effectively, the answer is very simple, right? The American Constitution was set up explicitly, right, to uh, enable any form of free speech in a way that cannot be encumbered by government or regulators or anything else, okay? And he goes on to explain that the technology of Bitcoin, ultimately at its core, it's just software. And the Supreme Court in the United States has made very clear time after time after time that the application of the First Amendment in America applies to consumer-generated software. It also protects developers. Now, if you're using uh, software to... Uh, launder money, uh, you may not get arrested for writing software, but you may get arrested for laundering money. So there's a distinction there, right? Meaning intent and purpose is often different from the existing of speech. In other words, yelling fire in a movie theater in and of itself, uh, saying the word fire or writing the word fire online isn't, isn't illegal because we have first, protection, first Amendment protections in the United States, but your intent of causing harm to other people could potentially be illegal, right? So, so there's a distinction there, and um, he also makes that clear here. But, but again, I, I think that 
there's and, and this is where DeFi ultimately, I think, becomes interesting, right? It eliminates some of those last kind of regulator centric off switches that we have into financial services. And if it works, it will be impossible for bad actors, right? And I'm going to put the U.S. government here in the, in the good actor camp. I know many of you disagree with that, but give, for, just, just give us the benefit of the doubt here. Many of the international bad actors are going to have a, a, an impossible time turning off these DeFi systems because there is no central off switch. But even many of the good actors, right, who basically will get pressured by banks who have the most to lose, will be unable to turn off these systems at scale because our constitution doesn't allow them to do so. And that's really the promise of Bitcoin and, and some of these decentralized solutions. Now, companies like Abra have a big role to play in bringing those solutions to you over time. And you'll see our user experience, which is highly centralized, merge with more and more uh, decentralized services as we go. So anyway, I wanted to make that point because it's, it's one of the most common questions that I get. And I highly recommend uh, this article from, from Aiken uh, on why America can't regulate Bitcoin, which I think really extends to most uh, new decentralized uh, services that I see out there. Okay, so um, we've got some more questions coming in. A couple more questions here before, before we wrap up. Um, and uh, Roman also makes a suggestion. Can we add an education and news tab to the app? Um, and this is where you can also post all the Abra videos for review. Roman, that's a fantastic question, uh, fantastic suggestion. We've actually talked about that and it's something that uh, we'd love to do. And hopefully uh, we, can, uh, we can get to that um, soon. So uh, look for that in the future. Uh, let's see. I've got a lot more questions here. And uh, when will Cardano be turned back on? As I mentioned, we're waiting for uh, the, um, the upgrade to be uh, finished by, um, by our exchange partner. And then you'll be able to uh, do deposits and withdrawals from Cardano again. Let's see. Um, can we have a calculator in the Abra app? That would be really useful um, to know how much uh, altcoins to add. So, so Gabriel, thanks for that question. Um, we've talked about adding, uh, we get this request a lot, meaning can I use dollars or pesos or euros um, on altcoin transactions to basically know in advance uh, how much I'm trading? Um, the challenge there is, is that we support 50 fiat currencies. So uh, it's something that uh, we haven't quite figured out how to do yet, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we will. Um, anyway, so uh, look for that in the future, but it's definitely something I know I, I you, you just saw me transfer out of Bitcoin. I had to do the math in my head. Uh, luckily, I'm good at math, so I was able to do that. But I know that some of you, uh, you would prefer to have a calculator to be able to determine, for example, if I'm exchanging Bitcoin back to dollars, what the dollar equivalent is in advance. So I, I totally, uh, totally get that. So uh, let's see. Um, so far, so good. Um, let me take one more question here for today and then wrap it up. How often is interest added and the interest earned compounded? And what actual interest rate does that result in, say, for TrueUSD at 10%? Um, that's a good question. I don't know offhand what the affected compound rate is. Um, it is uh, earned daily, uh, although we do pay it weekly. Um, generally, we pay interest on uh, Monday mornings. It's like I've, I've said in the past, I love Monday mornings because I get a bunch of push, push messages uh, into my Abra app that I have received uh, interest payments. And um, 
if uh, if you if you use the interest product, you know what I mean. Uh, it's basically you're getting push messages that you have free money into the app, which is always cool. Uh, I don't know what the effective uh, rate is if you when you look at the compounding, um, but uh, it'll obviously be a little bit higher uh, than than that. And um, yeah, so it's added weekly, uh, and you can, like I said, withdraw anytime. Most withdrawals are processed the same day. Very high amounts. It might take a few days or up to a week. Okay. Very simple. Okay, so um, let's stop there. Uh, let's say it's, uh, let's call it, it's, it's 10 o'clock. Um, thank you so much for your support. Hey, it's, I, I'd be reminisced if I didn't mention it's, it's September 11th. As a, uh, as a native New Yorker, I have to do a shout out to all my friends and family in New York. Uh, this is uh, one of those days, it's, it's always a little bit somber, especially with uh, the craziness here. It's, it's dark outside at 10 a.m. because of all the fires in California, it's a crazy time. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, what can I say? It's, it's a special day for some of us as we remember a lot of friends and family who are, are um, firemen and, and, and police in, in the New York and New Jersey area. And we have a lot of respect for what you guys do. Uh, thank you for those efforts. And, um, yeah, uh, good luck, everyone in California. Please stay inside. The air quality here is terrible uh, right now. And so hopefully uh, it, will, it will get better soon. All right, so um, another great show. Thank you so much for your support in making this happen. Don't forget to press the subscribe button at the bottom of the screen. Uh, we will see you next week on Money Talks. Take care, everyone.